My guest today believes a woman's overwhelm and job dissatisfaction can be remedied by a couple of things. Reconnecting to our essence, forgetting much of what we've learned and what we've been conditioned to believe that a successful life looks like. And finally, staying true to ourselves while we are on that journey and on this career path. She believes that the traditional one-dimensional path does simply not work for most of us. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of the true to you listeners will be nodding in agreement as I say this. Mary Margaret Scully has advised hundreds of business leaders through her work as an executive search consultant on Wall Street in Silicon Valley and for companies of all sizes across industries around the world. She is also, might I add, the co-founder and former CEO of a sustainable fashion business called Weave. Her message is about consciousness and the freedom to choose a career path that allows for more creativity, more of your genius, whether that be in corporate or whether that be in the small business environment. She currently lives in Los Angeles and I have to confess, I have to be very honest here that I had a lot of personal interest in having this conversation with Mary Margaret because both of us study under the same yoga teachers and Mary Margaret has finished her kundalini uh, yoga teacher training which I'm also about to do part of in the coming weeks so yes I was very interested in learning how she infuses this yoga technology and philosophy into her business so for all the yogis out there I think you're also going to be curious to know how she does this Put simply, although we physically live in different ends of the world, Mary Margaret and I share a common belief that you are not wrong. You're not wrong for wanting more and investing in the support that is going to help you create and cultivate a fulfilling work life is number one, a gift to yourself, but is a gift to everyone around you. So without further ado, I want to welcome Mary Margaret Scully to the True To You podcast. This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Welcome to the True to You podcast, Mary Margaret. It's beautiful to have you today. Thanks for having me, Ruby. Yeah. So I was just saying to Mary Margaret as we got on uh, this call today that I will be indulging for all of the listeners out there some of my own personal interests in chatting to Mary Margaret. Uh, We have some things in common that we're both interested in in terms of the type of yoga that we do and some of the ways in which we choose to uh, approach our work and, and infuse that. So I'm very, very excited for that part of it. But Mary Margaret, you've had quite an interesting story in that you spent a number over a decade in corporate and following what we often call that very linear path. 
you know, checking the boxes and things like that, doing what we all thought at the time was the right thing to do, right? We, we aren't really out of school, laid out much more of an um, uh, interesting path than go to university, get the good job, you know, uh, all, of, all of those things. And you found yourself in executive recruitment and have been part of the mysterious world of Google, which is uh, super fascinating. And now in the last year, uh, you've gone out on your own to do your own thing. And I think what's really cool is that, as I was saying before, Mary Margaret has created something that blends her skill set, but it's very much uniquely her own approach. And I imagine that the clients that you attract are, are from all areas, given that you uh, have some, some, you know, different interests. And I think that's really cool. It must make your work so interesting, I imagine. Yeah. So what I would love for you to do is to share a little bit about your journey and then leaping out on your own and how that has been for you fun, exciting, terrifying, all of those things that we experience starting our own business? Yeah, well, thank you for, for that and for this opportunity. And I was actually just reflecting with a woman on my team who also comes from recruiting and sales that we're just so grateful to have that, that background. Um, there's nothing like kind of the uh, I'll call it, you know, discipline seems a little like, I, I don't know, like a little intense, but, but, but just, um, I guess the rigor of the corporate world really taught us mm. a lot and the professionalism and excellence and attention to detail. And also one thing that, that, that's, I think interesting is we know that, especially in recruiting and sales, we, we know that if we work hard enough, we'll, we'll get, we can get there. Now, what we're interested in is how do we not have to sort of grind away? How can we magnetize a bit more of that? But it, it's useful to know that in some way, if you have an ambition, you can accomplish it. And so that's certainly a lesson I, I learned in the corporate world that I'm grateful for. And yeah, I, I think I, I look just look back on my time in, in that world and kind of laugh because I really was the most high-strung, neurotic college student. I was focused on going to law school. I did poorly on the LSAT twice. I put myself through that. My parents are lawyers. The, the LSAT is our in the States, the, the test you take to get into law yeah. school. And so after college, I, I moved to Chicago and I worked for a law firm and I lasted six weeks. <laughs> uh, the, the woman was really good at her job, but just kind of a, a personality. And I looked around and said, okay, it's, it's not this. And, and I really think the exit was mutual. I'm not going to say I got fired, <laughs> but it was, it was pretty mutual. I, I was invited to explore other options, which was of course the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And I stumbled into executive recruiting. I didn't know what it was, but there's a global firm headquartered in Chicago. It's one of five firms globally. They actually, they've got offices in Australia as well, but we did searches for the biggest companies in the world. So if they needed a CEO or they needed a new uh, member of their board of directors, or I focused especially on chief financial officer and general counsel work at some of the world's biggest banks. And so I got to interact with uh, really the, the 
leaders of the free world in a way. I got to be a fly on the wall to, to, um, uh, and, and interview some of these people who really run global business. And it was fascinating, but I also saw a lot of dissatisfaction. And so 10 years into my executive recruiting career, which took me all over the States, uh, I did, as you say, started my business a, a year ago, exactly this coming Tuesday. Congratulations. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I was looking back and, you know, the, the entrepreneurial journey, as you know, is a roller coaster, but I was looking back and we've actually helped over 60 women through our, our various programs, through executive coaching um, group work, and then uh, a member of my team who does resume review. So we're, we're sort of full service. And um, I got the itch last summer. I really, in fact, I was, I, was, um, I was on a trip and I actually cut it short. I came home because I felt this like extreme, uh, I, would, I guess it was anxiety that just, it, it, it was telling me, you've got to start this now. No one putting it off. People are going to need it. And that has certainly been the case in 2020. So the timing was in some ways perfect. In some ways, <laughs> 2020 was quite the initiation in terms of starting a business, but that was, uh, that was the path. Yeah. And how's that, how's that been? Do you feel like having parents that were lawyers, perhaps they, did they run their own firm growing up? You know, good question. Cause I actually yeah. have been reflecting on this too. My parents were both attorneys. My mom was yeah. also a CPA, although then she had five kids and that took up her time. Wow. So she retired early on, but my dad did have his own firm for, for yeah. many years. He actually still does. He was a judge. Uh, and then he retired and had his own mediation firm. So he, he does private uh, mediations and it was never bigger than, you know, four to six people. And I, I, I he, he, he loved it. I mean, he liked being a, a sole contributor. And so that, that taught me a lot. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because I had parents who uh, weren't quite in that, in that arena, but they had various businesses growing up. And I think you are so used to being around that, that you take it for granted. And, you know, I worked in their businesses and earned my pocket money growing up and things. But now I look back and I go, wow, actually, I was learning a whole lot of skills that whole time. And it's only now that I'm probably using them without even realizing it. And even just being able to interact with people, right? I'm sure your career allowed you the capacity to interact with some very, very high level people, but quite a range of personalities and uh, certain demands and things like that from both sides that I think all of those skills must have really helped you when it came to uh, interacting with new clients. And in terms of growing your business and what you offer. Do you want to share a little bit about what you chose to do in terms of your work, how that evolved out of your career and what, I guess, what skills you picked out of that career and went, this is really where I need to focus right now. This is really where my heart is. Yeah. 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 Well, if, if you don't mind, I want to answer that question, but I love what, it, yeah. what you were talking about before, yeah. because I think it's it's interesting just as you're as you're talking about it, it's coming up for me, which is 
Um, you know, I, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, which is, in Australia, you may not know, but it's the desert. It's not, yeah. you know, a huge hub of, it's, it's, it's a very large city, but it's not, you know, considered a hub of global innovation, we'll call it. It's, it's a little bit of a local economy. And so a lot of the people I knew and their parents, they worked for themselves or they worked for smaller companies. And so when I moved to New York and then San Francisco mm-hmm. and, and the companies were working for it, they're massive corporations. And there was a, there's a mindset there, which listen, is neutral, that it's fine. But I think it was interesting to see these people with so much power, but also in a kind of, uh, I don't want to say group think. I mean, there were, there were brilliant people, you know, the whole range, as you say. But I, I think that entrepreneurial spirit, it, 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 it showed me a lot of the contrast. Um, not, you know, everyone has their own part to play in this whole realm. So, so no problem. But I do, I do think the mindset shift is interesting. And of course, I, I work with women who are entrepreneurs and who are also in corporate roles. And, and to your question, I really wanted to work with both. I like to see myself as a bridge between the two worlds. And I don't think it's so much, my message is not, you need to ditch the corporate world and start your own thing. My message is around consciousness and around the the freedom that comes from within to say, you know, I can really handle any of this. I need to be in, you know, this job to support my family. Right. This is where I need to be and I can enjoy it and I can make the most of it and I can learn from it. And it's really a, um, a, a taking back of, of our own power and recognizing the role that we've all played in certain systems and not blaming anyone else. But I'm interested in the ways that we can create more freedom for ourselves and more fulfillment and more creativity and more genius. So uh, I do executive coaching at, at for the more established entrepreneur, the, the more established executive who um, might face a range of issues. Maybe they like where they are, but they know they need to level up in terms of becoming a better manager or, or managing up or um, strategizing uh, or maybe it is a work-life balance type of, of problem. Um, or they, you know, I worked with one woman who thought she wanted to get out of the financial services firm and start her own business. And through some changes she's made internally, she's been promoted to chief operating officer and she's happier than ever. And, and you know, and she can keep the paycheck, support her family, so forth. So women come to me with a, a range of career issues. Sometimes they leave uh, with a totally different outcome than we originally thought they were looking for. But the goal is always, can you be a better leader and can you enjoy your work and your life more in a holistic way? Yes. Uh, you're a woman after my own heart because <laughs> I think it's so interesting. Yeah. The journey that you go on with with your clients and they start out with an intention and then really it's through that process of them getting to know themselves better and, and feeling like you said of, of having that power and that autonomy and that self-agency, which uh, when, if you can operate with that in a corporate environment, that's when you're really powerful, I think. Right. And I wish I had known some of those things <laughs> back when I was an architect but you know hey you can't you can't Same, change the, the past yes. <laughs> yeah and everything comes to you at the right time when you need it but that's that's really really awesome and I love I love that mission with your works beautiful so Thank you. when I was digging around you've got 
some amazing writing on your website as well. We're going to pop Mary Margaret's details in the show notes. If you get a chance, she writes uh, very beautifully on a lot of different topics, mostly things that we tend to face as women in our working career and environment. And she infuses some of the yoga through it as well. But one thing I noticed that were themes that were coming up around uh, where you assist women is things like overwhelm and being dissatisfied with their current uh, state of play, perfectionism, as being these real challenges that women seem to come up against. Like we really butt up against these things and they may be repeating patterns that I guess we've probably always faced, but we're more willing to bring awareness to them and, and help uh, change them because there are more tools available now for us to do that. And so why do you think it is that, uh, and I can't speak for men because I don't work as much with men, but why as women we come up against these things like overwhelm, dissatisfaction, uh, perfectionism, in our work, especially? It's because we've outsourced our goals yeah. and we're living somebody else's goals. Yeah. And so we think, as you said in the beginning, if we just do everything right and follow the linear path and make more money and have a bigger title and have the, the, the right spouse and have the right clothes, and, and not that everyone who's dissatisfied is quite so shallow. I'm, I'm painting an extreme. Yeah. But... But um, the reality is we're happiest when we have a few things, when we have time to take care of our health and the right tools, but even the knowledge, most of us don't even know how to truly take care of our health. We're happiest when enough money's coming in. We're happiest when our relationships are solid and when we have uh, strong relationships of, of all kinds. And when we're creating and when we're in service to others. Most uh, intense corporate jobs and, and the, you know, most Australians and Americans work mm. incredibly hard. They don't leave room for the other things. So it's not even the job itself, often. Uh, sometimes it is. But even the, the sort of linear idea, and I think that, that one of the bright sides of 2020 is we're necessarily moving away from this, but the idea that you have to sit under fluorescent lights from nine to five or eight to six or whatever it is, and then just work like a robot, day in, day out, the same hours, and that's the only way that you can be productive. I mean, that's just immature. It's just silly because we know that we can get, you know, we can on our good days, get all that done in an hour, then go make ourselves a healthy lunch, then maybe take a nap. And then maybe other days you're working on something, you're fired up and you work 15 hours in a row, no problem. Mm. But we have a linear idea of what things need to look like. And I'm not saying, you know, consistent work and even sometimes hard work isn't necessary. But what I am saying is that there is a lack of understanding of the universal sort of ebb and flow and that there's output, which needs to match the input. And so I, I tell this story all the time, but there's a famous uh, coach, Brendan Bruchard. Yeah. He gives talks in front of, in the old days, he would give talks in front of 50,000 people. And then he was generous enough to share what he does to recover. So afterward, he takes two weeks off. He gets a number of massages. You know, he takes cold showers. Like he laid out, you know, his whole thing, whatever healers he has come. But I love that because it's like, duh, 
Mm. I don't care who you are. If you put out that much energy, you need to bring in that much energy. And so I would say that's a big root. We, we think our energy is finite or that we can just run ourselves into the ground. You know, we read obituaries that describe women as tireless. And um, that's ridiculous because, you know, we, we all fatigue and that does not make us weak. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of strength and wisdom to identify when uh, it's time to grind and it's time to pull back. And the reason I work with women, I mean, look, I, I, I would work with anyone. I think um, I've, I've narrowly chosen women, women because I think um, we're the ones who have hit the limit. And so it's, we're, we're, we're most likely to lead the charge around this. Uh, but all of us, I mean, I don't care what gender, are moving into a time when we understand there has to be a balance. Mm, yeah, and I think something that I know I picked up from an interview that you did, you touched a little bit on the female energetic cycle across a 28 day period. And I know that I think it's just wonderful that conversations around our menstrual cycle and our work and aligning those two things is becoming so much more commonplace. It certainly is here every, you know, every fairly aware woman is starting to dabble a little bit in understanding her cycle and, and starting to, to match the energy needs. And I think that alone is, there's almost, there's, there's this knowledge within us that we've also got so far removed from, haven't we? We, we don't know how to uh, measure our internal barometer or even our internal cycle against the needs of, of our, of our energy and things. So yeah, and, and I certainly never thought I'd be talking menstrual cycles on a business podcast, and I do it out of love because, um, you know, that could be easily misunderstood, but what I want to emphasize is this is not a weakness. No. It's not, oh, women fatigue easily, so they need to work less, and so we should promote, you know, it's, this is not a weakness because in those times when we pull back, that's when we get the ideas. And in yoga, there's an idea of, pr- of uh, prana and apana, mm. apana meaning that's when you release and, and at certain times of our cycle, we won't get too graphic, but everyone you know, knows there are times when you release the old. Mm. And what we have now in our, in our global society is, um, you know, a lot of, we could call it stuck energy. To, we could be polite around it, but there's a lack of people and leaders who have stepped back to reflect, okay, I'm barreling forward in a direction. Is it the right direction? Mm. And that's the beauty of the feminine in all of us which is uh, knowing to step back, reflect, get really quiet and, and, and listen to, you know, if you just want to call it an inner voice or if you could say connect to some divine source, that's going to tell us what we need to know. So far from being a weakness, what I want women to know is, you know, that, that there's a ton of power in this. Mm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm all down with that. And I know that the women listening to this also have have an interest in this stuff as well, yeah. or this is perhaps going to ignite an interest in that. So thank you. But I think but I think and I, I I don't think your listeners will, but I, I think it could be misconstrued in the broader business world. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've had two other businesses, from what I understand, other than what you're uh, currently operating now. And I'd love to know what you learned from those experiences, because 
I think what I've seen a few women that have had maybe one or two businesses in my time. And sometimes it can feel like when you let go of that, it can feel like a bit of a failing or you start the one business and that's your lot for life. You're building that business and iterating it and, and that's it, you know, that's your thing. And I think that's also what's been uh, modeled for us as well around business, especially if we've had parents in business, it becomes their, their life's work. And, and I think that's great if that's what you land on, but I would love to know how those experiences, change the way you do business now what what you learned from those and what it was like to to let go of them as well yeah yeah it's so important to talk about this and I'm glad you bring it up because I in my observation and experience every entrepreneur has a string of failures (laughs) behind her so you might as well get started and interestingly enough I had the feeling throughout one of my first businesses, one of my early businesses, I almost, I had the feeling this isn't going to be long-term, but you still have to do it. And uh, I did learn so much from it. And and I think we, we shut it down at the right time, but I almost had that intuition of like, this isn't the thing, but you know, you, you gotta, you gotta do it anyways to learn a couple lessons. And so I do think it's important to discuss it and to just say it's so unlikely. You know, the first couple of things you put out there, they're going to look amateur because you're an amateur and that's fine. (laughs) And so you might as well just get started. And I see a lot of perfectionists waiting to get started. I'd rather see you stumble through and just just start. Um, So it was painful, but I think surrounding myself with other entrepreneurs helped me see that that's so common. Mm. And the other uh, two important lessons I learned were to always pick the right partner. And I, I, I mean that um, not because, you know, I still have really good relationships with the, the, the two people I started the last two businesses with, but we just weren't in the same uh, time in our lives or we didn't have the same goals. And, and so it can be the loveliest person, but you've, you've got to have real talk around what you want out of the thing. Um, so no harm harm done there either. Uh, but the last thing I learned is you've got to be really passionate about it because, and you know this, it's um, it's it, it's grind isn't the right word, but it takes a lot of consistency to build a real business and a lot of day in and day out and showing up and putting on a happy face sometimes when things are really hard. And so you've got to really really enjoy what you're offering or be able to talk about it all day long. And, um, you know, if somebody asks you uh, when you're out and about what you do and you just kind of like lose energy and you don't really want to talk about it, that's telling you something too. It it should be something that comes so naturally to you that you just want to talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, something on that as well that I notice, uh, and I probably fell into this in the in the early days of starting a business is there was so much conversation. I feel like it's maybe not so um, loud right now, but there was a lot of conversation for a while there around you can make a business out of what you're passionate about, your passions, and this idea of flipping a passion or a hobby into a business because you're passionate about fitness, you should go and open a gym or because, or yoga, open a yoga studio. And I think uh, 
whilst that's really great advice, you need to have passion all the way through. I'm not saying that that's not part of the reason why you do something, but I think uh, a lot of us can can easily fall in love with the idea of having a business and the yeah. freedom and all of those things that we're kind of sold through external messages when we don't actually see what goes on behind the scenes, like you say, and the uh, day in and day out building consistency, reputation, and, and that takes a long time. And I think the last thing I'd say on that, loving all parts of your business as well, because you don't go into business necessarily having accounting skills or legal skills or things like that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of women come to, I think this is interesting because Mm -hmm. as much as I think we need people in every sector of society, uh, we really do, politics, corporations, on and on, medicine, a lot of women are coming to me wanting to start their own thing. And I think it's for the energy management reasons we discussed, which, you know, at least you've got a little control over your own schedule and when you take breaks and, and so forth. Um, so I, I do think we're, we are evolving toward uh, just that maybe that's a very literal way, but in mm. general, having a lot more freedom over how we work, which is, which is great. But in, in, if you take somebody, for example, who's been an accountant, and they take a yoga class. <laughs> there's a, there's a, th- those two may meet, but it may take some experimentation. And, and it's not likely to be, it's very rare. We hear the outliers, but it's, it's rare that it's, you know, I ditched my six figure accounting job and now I teach yoga and, and everything's great. I make six figures again. It's messy. <laughs> yeah. It's so messy. Like you, maybe you do part time, you know, something part time or you teach yoga and you realize, you know, it, it's really not that fun. And, and so I want us to all, my, my invitation would be to hold everything more lightly. And that if, if you, you know you have to leave a job and then the next job's not perfect, give yourself some grace. You've got to try some things to, to see some contrast. You have to take action to understand, oh, I thought I wanted this, I don't. You're refining. So uh, we are held to very high standards, but... Um, I think the the greatest gift we can give ourselves is letting ourselves explore a little bit, especially in big transitions like that. Yes, yes. And I think uh, to go back to someone that I've followed along his journey would be Gary Vee. You know, that's a large part of his advice now in terms of being a marketer, but I think he's also much, you know, he speaks on so much, a wider, deeper topics as well now that he tells the young people go out and and explore and do lots of different things and start lots of different businesses. I mean, he has had multiple businesses and, you know, it's um, it's something that we're not really encouraged to do. But I also think if there is women listening to this that are, I think whatever stage you are in life, but are, if you are in those younger years without all of the commitments and dependent children and and things like that going on in your life, you know, do take that opportunity to explore and have fun and don't, don't be afraid to make mistakes or yeah, because you never know what you'll take from each of those things. Like you just shared with us those lessons that you took from your business, uh, your, your couple of businesses before this one, the things you took from your career it all comes together. It's, it's, it's divine and it's magic, but it's amazing how it all comes together in the end, isn't it? 
And sometimes it's hard to see how it's all going to connect, but it, it <laughs> often, almost always does. And what I would also say about Gary Vee, because I think there, there is a tension and a balance, which is try a bunch of things, but then also he, and he has some longevity, but he has stuck with some of those things. Mm. And, and he's been at this for years. For I think, I just read, I think he started on social media in 2005. I know. <laughs> you know. And then people give it six months, they want to give up. He's been doing it for 15 years. So, so yes, that balance between trying a bunch of things and then also understanding there's something you're going to have to really put some time into mm, and mm. knowing when to identify that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. I'd love to change course a little bit and talk a bit about your background with yoga and this type of yoga that you do, which is Kundalini yoga and meditation. I would love to know your story around how you first connected with Kundalini Yoga and in particular studying with Guru Jagat and Rama Institute and what, where were you in your life? What drew you to the teachings? And, and you've done your teacher training as well, haven't you? Yes. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that story and, and what that was like. Well, my mentor at Google, his wife taught Kundalini yoga and he dragged me to one of her four day retreats and I hated it. And I didn't touch Kundalini yoga for two years after that because it was so much breathing and weird arm postures and so on. <laughs> uh, but by 2017, I was very, I was very sick or by 2016, I should say. I had a number of uh, autoimmune um, problems and it was kind of like a classic uh, uh, epic burnout. Um, but so I was, I was home uh, with my parents recovering and I was, um, I was in the process of recovering and I read Guru Jagat's book, Invincible Living. Uh, I visited Los Angeles and took a class and then uh, I kind of had my health back and one needed to start a new life and Los Angeles seemed as good a place as any. And so I moved you know, down the street from Rama and her studio and started studying there and everything in, you know, everything in my life has changed and, and for the better. <laughs> my life looks nothing like it did three years ago. This technology works very quickly. And my, I don't, you know, the, the, it comes into my work as much as, as, as clients want it to and as much mm-hmm. as is organic. I have a number of clients who practice some kind of meditation and they, I'll be honest, they make um, exponential progress. And for those who don't, you know, I'm willing to, to share about it. But I just encourage everyone to find some kind of mind-body system that uh, you can hang on to, especially in these times, because we do need new tools. The pressure is on. People are having a very challenging time for many different reasons. And so what I encourage people to do is find something. I'm biased. Uh, and I think Guru Jagat puts it all, all the teachings in a very accessible, modern way. Um, so it, it's, made a, it's made a big difference for me. Yes, yes. And I think she's, she's also, it may have something to do with her age, although she's, she's, she's been here for, for many more lifetimes than what we see right. in current right. form, right? But, right. Uh, but I also think that she's so in tune and, and so accessible for a lot of people because the way that she speaks in her classes and she's not... Um, She's not, she's not actually super linear in terms of she'll, she'll talk about different current events and subjects and she might throw the odd swear word in there. And, and it's very, 
it's a very approachable way to connect with her. And I remember when I first started listening to it and I was much attracted to her and, and the way that she approached the teachings as what I, like what I was doing in the class kind of just blended in. <laughs> and it was like, sure, I'm going to follow you because you get me. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's a big part of modern yoga uh, is being able to really understand where your students are at the problems they're facing and yeah yeah she's also she's been very and she's been inspiring and it's been an important mentor to me because of her um pioneering a, a, the future of education essentially mm. which is non-linear which is about you know her her the way she talks it scrambles your subconscious a little bit in a very yeah. good way and it reorganizes it and it's a transmission and unless you've had that experience, that may be sort of hard to comprehend. I, I know you have, uh, but yeah, she's not, um, you know, she's not giving us worksheets and asking us to memorize things. She's, she's teaching us at a very deep level, reminding us basically of things we've, we really known before. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm about to do my, the first part of my teacher training. So they're offering the online teaching in a few weeks time. So I'm going to get my first deep immersive experience and along with all the other teachers that are part of that as well, which I think creates a unique experience. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, what What I would say about Kundalini yoga too, is I can remember a friend of mine walking around New York city almost 10 years ago now, and we both worked very hard and then we would go party very hard. Mm. (laughs) We both just, there's an emptiness there. And mm. we really wish we had hobbies. And because of the way that we were educated and sort of trained to achieve, we didn't even know how to get in touch with what we might even enjoy. And so what I would say, if you feel like that, is just to um, it, any kind of nudge that you get, whether there's a book you feel like you need to read, a class you feel like you need to take, but you don't know why, or a person you want to meet, th- these are clues. And it's very important to follow them because those um outlets can sometimes become much more than outlets and they can be life-changing. And so just to give yourselves permission to, to follow those whims. Yes. And I can imagine the, the world of people that you've now attracted into your life through having that, that spiritual, uh, side. And especially I think, uh, her work seems to attract a myriad of creative people, but people of all walks of life. I'm sure you wouldn't even know what some of those people are up to in their lives in those classes. They're probably running big companies and, you know, performing on stage. And I think it's, it's so fascinating uh, the, the range of people that come together for the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would love to touch on next is a little bit around how you approach the career coaching. And I guess for some women that becomes a career transition. And I think it's very interesting that you now have a, have a deeper yoga and spiritual grounding personally. And I, I find that sometimes, and you've spoken about this on uh, podcast episodes before that sometimes that can that can also be a little lofty right and it can be big dreaming and it'll be all right the universe will take care of you <laughs> just make sure you put the idea out there 
But we all know, and having been through it myself, that the career transition process is uh, is the, part of it, it. That is part of it, but part of it also is having a a structure and a very grounded process. I think to it. I would love to know how you balance those two sides. But also I think one thing I pick up from the Kundalini Yoga is that it's also so much about the nervous system. And I think that when you tune into the nervous system, that's a grounding in itself, right? And and understanding those, those outputs and those inputs, which is what something you shared right at the beginning of this conversation. Yeah. Do you want to share any thoughts on why that approach is really important for you? Even if you might not explicitly say that that's what you're helping your clients to do, but uh, yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. I'm really fascinated how you've blended that into that process. It's, it's, this is a fascinating topic I could yeah. talk about all day long because I think really our challenge on the planet right now is to merge the two. There used to be the starving artists or creatives or yogis, if we want to call them that, mm. and then the sellouts, <laughs> basically, who made a ton of money but had no soul. And the, those archetypes are obsolete. We need to be holistic, meaning, and, and if you want to talk chakras, the, the, the lower three chakras are just as balanced as the upper chakras. So you see a lot of spiritual people who are very wise, uh, can connect with all sorts of, I don't know what, um, they use very beautiful words to describe our connection with the universe and the oneness and on and on. They can't pay their rent. And that's just not a great human experience. And for better or worse, that's just, that's the deal down here. And, and look, do I think that we're at the beginning of a huge shift that after we get through a little bit of this muck could be very beautiful and very, a lot easier. We, we certainly, we've made life extremely hard on each other down here. And so I think that could shift, but the reality is we, at least today, <laughs> things are changing quickly. We, we have to be grounded. We have to make a living. We have to provide for our families. We have to deliver what we came to deliver in a very uh, grounded way. And so the, the, the successful people of the future are really going to have merged all of those things. They're going to have their feet firmly on the ground and then be so expanded that they also have that divine connection, if you want to call it. And this, it, it, it's a sort of... Um, you know, agnostic to spiritual tradition. It, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There are different ways to describe this. We like Kundalini yoga, but however you kind of connect. Um, but I think a lot of the burnout we're seeing is from people who are highly proficient at putting food on the table and excelling and getting promoted. And they know there's something more deep down, but they're just not convinced or they don't really trust that there is. And then on the other side, you know, as you say, so the, the the nervous system strengthening, I think, is a real revelation, and it's it's quite scientific. I, I can remember being told as a kid, your vagus nerve is off, yeah. and then it wasn't until you know twenty years later, Grujek is talking about the vagus nerve and Kundalini yoga that that made any kind of sense because, of course, they had no follow up. I think it was eat a lot of salt, you know, like that was the limit of their understanding. No understanding of like your nervous system is shot because of the way that modern life has, has done that. Um, so the, the, the nervous system strength helps all of us. I mean, certainly if you have lofty ideas around, I'm just going to meditate and the money's going to come to me and I don't have to look for a job, you know, strengthening nervous system helps you to, to send that resume out or pick up the phone and tell people you're looking and show up in a real way where we, we need you to. 
And then for those who are entirely burnt out, um, the nervous system strength, it can help with the confidence to say, there needs to be more balance here. And I don't need to, you know, be so afraid that if I let off the gas, you know, uh, I'm not going to have a roof over my head. I can have some trust. And and if we can bring both of these groups kind of into the middle, we could have a functioning society. Yeah, it, it's, uh, do you think though, um, even though it is deeply scientific, have, in your experience, have there been practices that you can lean on to self-adjust? And I, I guess the, the nervous system thing is a, is a real awareness. Uh, you know, we can see physical signs, but sometimes we also can't. Like this is, this is, a, this is very, very internal. And, uh, but I'd love to know, is there any practices that you have daily or maybe that you just lean on when you know things are getting a little out of balance? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that have helped you? Well, I think Eckhart Tolle said it in this way too, which is that if you do nothing else, if you never go to any course, you never take a single yoga class, and all you do is deepen the breath, and you just practice that day in, day out for the rest of your life, everything will change. So what, what does taking a deeper breath do? I mean, we've, we've, you know, we've all tried it and felt a little bit better, but it expands your sense of the possibilities. So if your boss is screaming at you and you take a deep breath, you can get more creative around, maybe if I use a little humor in this situation, it'll lighten up. Or maybe if I just let this rest for a second, he'll get over it. It, it expands your uh, sense of, it, it allows you to get bigger than the problem, basically. Mm. And Yogi Bhajan says, you, you don't solve your problems, you get bigger than them, and then you drop them. <laughs> Meaning you just become so expanded that that little thing that was niggling at you it just doesn't seem like a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Or because you're calm, a solution pops in. So that would, that would be my advice. I, I mean, Kundalini Yoga has 8,000 teachings or something like this. We can't get to them all in a lifetime. But, um, you know, we hear it all the time, take a deep breath, and it just seems trite. But I, I really, I mean, it, it, some days I can do nothing else. And it, it always helps. It just creates a, a levity that um, is often desperately needed. Yes, yes. And uh, it brings us down into it. it really, it does it, 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 especially if you're breathing right into that, uh, that navel area as well it's what you were just talking about before it brings us down out of our head and and down into that lower more stable part or at least helps us to stabilize that area if that is a little bit off for you uh the deep breathing can at least like pulls you down it, it centers you it's like an anchor point in the body i guess Definitely. so yeah what i would love to uh, talk to you about I think we're, we're it's really interesting how this conversation has flowed and how I put together these questions because we've talked about um, the career stuff and we've talked about the spiritual stuff now I'd love to talk about a couple of specific things around business and and the reason I bring this up is because one thing I heard you say on a recent podcast is that uh, social media and I'm not sure what your relationship's like with social ma media. So maybe you can can share that. Maybe you're, you're on it a lot. Maybe you're not really on it. Um, but you did say something around the lines of social media is like having a contract with universal energy. 
I don't know if you remember saying that. Yeah. Yeah. It, what, what does what that I, mean? What I meant by that, um, I, I, I meant that, I, I think, <laughs> the time, um, I meant that for uh, entrepreneurs who are kind of reluctant to put themselves out there. Yes. And it's like, if you just, and, and I use social media as one way yes. that you've got to put energy into your business every single day. And I, and I really believe that I was just reading a book um, about aliens, you know, casually about Mount, Mount Shasta. <laughs> and I will tie this in, don't worry. But um, they were talking about a, a spiritual journey and they said uh, it, it was some channel, you know, they're lecturing humans and they're like, you guys don't put enough momentum into your spiritual journey. You know, you might meditate one day, but it's like you need momentum. And I thought that's so true in business. You need momentum behind it, which means it's not that you burn yourself out and you exhaust yourself, but you in some way give your business attention every day. And that's why you would even invest in a coach or a mastermind or spending time with a mentor. You want a lot of energy to gather around the thing. And so um, I use social media as one example of, you know, it's, it's neutral. It's, it's not the enemy. It's neutral. It's used for ill and for good. And, but if you're, if you're trying to get your message out there, it's a great free way to do it. And so you might have two followers, but if you are putting something out there on whatever schedule you agreed on, maybe you say, I'm going to post once a week, uh, but stick to that. Cause that's yeah. you showing up for your business and saying, I'm showing up for you. Okay. <laughs> you know, show up for me a little bit here. Um, but with, with social media in general, I do think we, we have to decide what we're going to do because uh, you do see there, there's no shortage of teachers who will say, do this, this, and this, and you'll get the results. And it's amazing that it worked for them. But I think what we're all finding as entrepreneurs is you've got to decide. You can use other people's processes. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's amazing that there are so many courses out there around, hey, here's how to get started. You've never had an online business. Here's a, here's a primer. Amazing. But take take what works for you from all of these different mm -hmm. teachers and combine it into something that feels right. And again, this is where we have to take action to see, okay, maybe you say I'm going to post every day and then six months in you're completely burnt out or maybe you're energized and you're like, this is really working for me, but we got to try a few things again. Um, but I, I think if it's, if it's, uh, causing you to lose energy in any way, it's not about the social media. If it's freaking you out to put pictures of yourself, that's deeper than the social media. It's yeah. okay. Why is that so confronting? And that's worth examining. Or if it, you know, feels like a drain to pick a quote every day, it's like, well, I mean, that's not authentic to you. So I think it's worth trying a few things to say like, okay, this is a tool. What's my relationship going to be to it? And I, I know plenty of people who don't have a thousand followers, but they have six figure businesses. Mm. <laughs> and then I know people who've got a hundred thousand followers. Maybe they bought a, a percentage of those. Maybe they didn't, but it's somehow not translating. The numbers are, are meaningless as to how they will translate to actual dollars. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I, I totally agree with that approach. And and I think for the woman who's starting out in her business as well, it, like you say, it's a free accessible tool, but there's so many layers to it. And, and like you said, it can become a good self-awareness tool as well of how does it feel to express yourself? How does it feel to put yourself out there? Uh, you know, if you put yourself on video versus share a photo, what does that feel like? And how can we push push the boundaries a bit sometimes by using that tool that's available to you. I think, I think it's fascinating and, uh, 
And you really just have to approach it with a sense of lightness and curiosity, don't you? Because you're also at the whim of of something else that you can't control, which is it, which is the uh, there is an algorithm in place. So, <laughs> um. and this is where the Kundalini Yoga tradition yeah. just helps me so much because it's like you've got and and this is listen, this could be a story I told myself, but it works for me and it gives me energy, which yeah. is that we each have a destiny somebody's destiny is to have a million followers and be that kind of influencer. Great. But if we stay relaxed, our own destiny will be revealed to us. And we'll, you know, if, if you focus on service, if you focus on how you're serving others, you'll be satisfied. If you focus on your, you know, your likes, <laughs> you will always, they will never be enough. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's about being able to receive what comes to you right because some people can also grow their following really quickly and then they're not they don't have the energetic capacity to receive that either Mm. and then they're like I don't know what to do with this suddenly my account is growing really fast and I can't handle that just like if you were to have a whole lot of people walk in the door of your business are you energetically yes yeah yeah yeah. So trusting the timing, basically, yes. of your own growth. Yeah. Yes. That's a great point. I would love to finish up with asking you, since so much of your work and my work as well is about uh, creating opportunities to feel fulfilled, meaningful work is a word that comes up for a lot of the women I work with. What, how would you personally define for you being fulfilled in your career? I think that it can't be divorced from the rest of life. And I think that's a theme universally is we're all becoming more holistic and even, you know, medicine is becoming more holistic. We're all seeing that we're all parts of a whole and our lives are all parts of a whole and we can't compartmentalize like we used to. And so I would just say we're on the precipice of of a whole world of new ways of working opening up which I think the, the, the only challenge is going to be getting our own selves out of the mindset of work needs to look a certain way. Mm. And things will ebb and flow, especially in a, a woman's life, especially if you have children or so forth. There, there's a total ebb and flow. And just the acknowledging that that's natural, holding things a bit more lightly, approaching things with curiosity, and always asking, what am I here to learn? And trusting that you're placed in, in certain places for a reason knowing that not every day of your working life is going to be, you know, orgasmic or completely fulfilling, but understanding that if you kind of keep focused on, you know, how can I serve? What lights me up? uh, A fulfilling career is when you know you're in some way moving toward becoming a more expanded version of yourself and offering more and more and more of your gifts. And, um, you know, we're, we're not trying to, to burn out, but I think there's also pressure to have like complete balance. It's, it's okay to kind of leave it all out on the dance floor at times too. And, and just see how much you can offer. How mm. much can I create? How much can I take myself out of this box? Um, and how much, how much fun can I have? And usually we're having fun when we're creating something and when we're serving others. And this is going to look totally different for everybody. And, and we should let it. Mm, yes. Uh, amen to that. Thank you so, <laughs> so much for your inspiring words today. It's been a dream of a conversation to speak with you, Mary Margaret. 
And thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're you're doing amazing work in this world. I feel really feel through uh, everything that you put out that you've landed in a good place right now. Even if <laughs> it, it, even yeah. if um, you know you're still in the early days of the journey, but it's all come together and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's thank you so much, Ruby, and thank you for your just amazing questions and just fun topics, and for your work in the world too. Uh, I just, I really believe it's going to be ever more important. So yeah, so glad yeah. you're out there. Yeah, yeah, you too, sis. Okay, so if people want to hang out with you, where where do you like to hang out on socials? What, um, yeah, what's the best way to connect with your work? I'm on Instagram. I'm at Mary Margaret Skelly. That's also my website, marymargaretskelly.com. And I, I write kind of a personal note every week in my newsletter. And that's all me. And so um, that's that's where my, I guess if you say I like, I prefer to hang out. I, I really enjoy the, the weekly newsletter. So feel free to subscribe right at my website. Yes. And as I said, uh, go back into Mary Margaret's website and scroll through some of her blog posts because they're not they're not super long but they're great little succinct teachings for you and they they've been really great things for me in terms of getting to know you better and what makes you tick but also some some really great reminders for us and uh, she's got some great lessons in there so I know that you'll enjoy that thank you so much Mary Margaret Thanks, it's been Ruby. a pleasure. <laughs> Take care.